are joined by Scottish National Party politician and former Cabinet Secretary for Education, Michael Russell. Throughout his career, Michael has also been an author of several books, such as Shirley Mackay, The Price of Innocence, and The Next Big Thing, A Fable of Modern Scotland, to name but two titles. Additionally, he has worked as a television producer and a professor at Glasgow University. In September 2015, Michael Russell travelled to Bosnia-Herzegovina with Remembering Srebrenica Scotland. Of his time on delegation, Michael said, nothing prepares you for the visceral experience of hearings from survivors of the genocide at Srebrenica. But the harrowing experience is a vital one if those who come here go away determined that it should never be forgotten and never repeated. We all need to understand that if it happened here, it could happen anywhere. Michael Russell, welcome to the podcast, Srebrenica Stories. Thank you for joining me. Um, Can we start a wee bit by you telling us about your visit to Srebrenica? Yes, um, I had been, as you said, Education Secretary at that stage. I was out of government, uh, but doing other things. I've, of course, been back in government for the last four years dealing with Brexit. But um, I I was invited to be part of one of the parliamentary delegations, uh, and I went in September 2015, I knew it was at the early early stage of those parliamentary delegations. There were cross-party delegations where they, uh, Jenny, um, there was a there was a Labour uh, MSP who went with me. Uh, the Solicitor General was there too, uh, Solicitor General at that time, um, and I hadn't really thought about about it much. I knew about the the massacre. I I knew about the genocide, but I hadn't really focused on what the issues were. And when we arrived, it was September, and it was a beautiful September. And when we mm. arrived in Sarajevo, uh, you know, it was like going to, to to a European capital, which it is. I mean, Sarajevo is a very lovely city, as you know, and uh, it, the, the tables were outside all the cafes, and people were mm. having drinks and coffee. And it was just a little shocking on that first night to walk down to the riverside and to see the memorial where, of course, uh, the Archduke Franz Ferdinand was assassinated, the, the event that precipitated the start of the First World War just began to realise we were in a very different place. It's also quite difficult to get to Bosnia because uh, by air through, through Europe because there are difficulties with the air services still. Um, and then just being having pointed out to you as you travel through the city, the, what they call the Sarajevo Roses, as you'll know what they are, where, where there has been shell fire, where there have been um, bullets fired, and, and going down what's called Sniper Alley and people telling you of all the people who had been killed. You know, where you're walking down through a modern city, and you know, not just in your lifetime, you know, in recent European history, and, and that began to prepare you for what you were to see later. Though I don't think anything can completely compare, prepare you for hearing about what happened at Srebrenica and meeting the mothers, particularly of those who were massacred. Yeah, and you're right. It's so much <coughs> of um, just that every day now is just still covered by this Arriva Rovers is which are um, painted red mortar like um mortar holes in the in pipe pavement. Um so what impact did this trip have on you? Very profound I have to say when I came back I, I, and since then I've worked with with people to, to talk about it to witness to it. I think that's the most important thing if you go to Sevenuchas, particularly with with the Sevenuchas UK or Sevenuchas Scotland. You have an obligation to, when you come back to witness to what you have seen. And the purpose of that witnessing is to say, you know, if it could happen there, it could happen here. If it happened to them, it could happen to us. This is the Premo Levy 
you know, approached and mm-hmm. this, you know, a very, very profound thing to suddenly realize. Those words, of course, are written in one of the exhibitions you, you can see in Sarajevo. And you realize that in what is a modern European city, there was a siege which lasted a very long time indeed, that people like you and me, at various stages of their lives, you know, I'm 66, I won't say how old you are, but people <laughs> of those ages mm-hmm. were, were in actual fact um, uh, held captive in a city for a long period of time, a modern European city. If you go to, you'd have been to the museum uh, of, the, of the tunnel that, that was under, the, was under the, uh, the runway of the airport. And when you realize that people, this was the only way in and out of the city for all that period during the siege, and this was a city that held the Winter Olympics. Mm. This, this, was a, this was a city that was regarded as, you know, a mainstream part of Europe. And that's very profound. And then, and then when you go, first of all, to Tuzla to see the, the mortuary, to see where the bodies have been put together and identified those thousands of bodies. And then when you actually go to Srebrenica itself, and you see both the place where people were held and you also see the graveyard and all those graves, which are, of course, still being filled. Mm. Because you realise that you know there was a huge attempt to hide what had taken place, then I think that brings it home to you, and you want then to 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 go out to reflect upon it, to, to not you can't kind of come to terms with it, but to reflect upon it, and then to talk about it and to talk to others about it. And I was fortunate enough later on that year to lead a debate in the Scottish Parliament about it. And since then, with many others, because of lots of people in Scotland now who've been on these trips. You know, we, we have an obligation to talk about it and to, to make others realise what took place as a warning and as a commitment that it should not happen again anywhere. I'm glad you talk about Sarajevo as well, because that's really something that strikes you when you're there, is that it's a very modern city. And you kind of, when you go on the delegation beforehand, it's hard to know what to expect. And it's easy to assume that when you're going to talk about something so horrific and so beyond comprehension, that you're going to a place which is just unlike home. And it's not. It, it is very strange. I mean, we, we, I can think of two, two instances, I mean, several. I thought Sarajevo was a lovely place. I'd love to go back. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I can think of two instances. We visited the, 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 the British uh, ambassador in his, uh, his residence and, and we sat, the weather was gorgeous, we sat in his garden and had lunch. And it was a beautiful garden, surrounded by trees. It looked down over the city. At one stage, we could hear the call to prayer. And of course, there are, there are lots of mosques in, in, in Sarajevo. There are lots of religious buildings in Sarajevo because it's a wonderful statue of John Paul II. There, you know, there's also a Jewish community. Um, there's a huge range of people in Sarajevo. It's a very cosmopolitan mm-hmm. city. Yeah. Sitting there in his garden at lunchtime, having lunch, a beautiful lunch. Uh, and hearing the call to prayer, but also having pointed out to you the places you can see from that garden where shells rained down and mortars rained down and where some people took possession of them and fired on others in, in the city. Uh, and the other one was the final morning having coffee in another little garden uh, overlooking the city and beautiful uh, you know, um, Balkan coffee, which is a bit like Turkish coffee, but even, even nicer. <laughs> and having I explained to you that where we were sitting was part of those places where people would, would be with binoculars, mm. you know, looking to see who they could kill down in the city. And you just think, this is, this is so outside our, our experience. Yeah. How could it be? But it is true, you know, and, and was true, and could be true again, mm. not just in the Balkans too, yeah. but in, in other places. And I suppose in Sarajevo, you get a sense of the beautiful landscape around you, 
are kind of um, shaped like a bowl, the hills and the mountains. So you are completely trapped almost. So the idea of a siege in that context is hard to... Yeah, you are yeah. trapped. I mean, you're completely trapped. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, people were, were being shot uh, mm-hmm. and killed, you know, because the, 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 the besieging forces were around the city. It's fired down. As I say, the only way in and out was to go through a tunnel under the airport. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an extraordinary thought. And it, there's a poem by um, Ger- uh, Lawrence Thurl called Sarajevo, which is about the outbreak of the First World War. Uh, but there's a line in it that I've always, I've always remembered. It's described as a, a place composed around the echo of a pistol shot. You know, in other words, the, the most important thing that happened essentially in the history of Sarajevo was the assassination of Grand Duke Franz Ferdinand mm-hmm. uh, until the siege. But actually, it's a line that still, still it has resonance because, you know, so many pistol shots for so long uh, echoing around. I mean, now there are, as you know, blocks of flats which still have marks on them yeah. where bullets have, have, have penetrated the, um, the, the, the cladding. And, and people died there. Lots mm-hmm. of people died. And, and people trying to go about their normal business in a city under siege with shortage of supplies, you know, were being shot as they crossed the road. And, and you had to dash across the road in order to try avoid being shot. And it wasn't just competence. You, me, would be in mm-hmm. that position if we were in that city. Then you then you go to, to Srebrenica itself. So a beautiful countryside you had that experience too. It's a mm. gorgeous spot. It is a gorgeous spot. And I'm glad you talk about the visual signs of the the buildings being damaged because it's it's important that you can see that because underlying society there right now is that they still haven't properly healed from this history that that's a really big big issue that mm. um, you know, what you have is a series of, of, of compromises the camp david accords the, the the way in which violence was stopped in any case or extreme violence but the society is still very fractured you still have you know, serbia and an assertive serbia you still have the the tension between essentially Russian influence and, and European influence. Um, and you know, the, the, the settlement that they came to is a very complicated settlement. I mean, mm-hmm. essentially there are more politicians in Bosnia than there are almost any other profession because there are, I can't remember the precise number, but there's something like you know, 13 cantons where they have individual governments and then there's an overall government. Uh, you know, one of the difficulties you know, with airline transport is that control of control of the airport depends on which political party is in power. So, you know, it's not a stable situation. Um, in my own view, mm-hmm. certainly the membership of the EU for Bosnia, for, 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 for the Balkan states, would be a unifying and stabilising force. Uh, but that has been difficult and, and the, the, you know, there have been difficulties in securing that. I, I think that should still remain the objective, which is to stabilise them within Europe. Uh, if that does not happen, then I think you'll still have continued conflict. What I hope you'll never have again is, is what took place with the appalling massacres, and, and that that was a that was a political failure that spilled over into a, a complete failure of humanity and, and, and the proper conduct of, of humanity. Mm. I worked briefly here in Argyle with um, uh, Sir Fitzroy Maclean, who who was a remarkable individual, but uh, was r- rumoured to be the the model for the original James Bond, but he was the British representative in, in Yugoslavia during the Second World War, the minister resident. Um, and he was a, you know, a, a remarkable man. 
But I remember talking to him about his experience, and he did say that one of the problems in the Balkans has always been that fracturing, but also uh, an, a, a, a regrettable ability to resort to savagery. And I don't think that's—I don't think that's a criticism of, of, of whole race or, 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 or nationality. But certainly, what took place at Srebrenica was a descent into barbarism. Um, and you know, those who are and were responsible have rightly been held to account uh, to the international court for the actions they undertook. But it was an action of series of actions of appalling ethnic cleansing and savagery. Which you know, we should we should learn that not that we must never allow that to happen again. And it was a failure of the international community to 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 intervene in any meaningful way um, for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. But it, it it was a failure to protect those who should have been protected. And you spoke you mentioned a bit briefly before about the mothers of Srebrenica. Would you like to talk a wee bit more about them? Yes, I I, I think this is a really extraordinary experience. The people who told us about the experience of the massacre were a couple of, of, of men who had been young men of boys at the time, which was very, very moving indeed, extraordinarily moving. But the really, the really gut-wrenching thing is to hear the mothers, and there are a group of mothers who, uh, you know, uh, who, who work together to tell the story, uh, to, to tell people what took place and to witness and testify to what took place. And they are the mothers of children young men who did not survive. And very often their husbands, sometimes their fathers, their brothers died as well. This was overwhelmingly a massacre of men. It was a massacre of the men of the area. It was a desire to wipe out the population. And um, if you sit, the, 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 the graveyard is at a very beautiful spot. I mean, the whole country is beautiful, but it's a very beautiful spot. It is opposite the, the, the place, the factory where it took place, but it, it is set on a hillside. And there is, a, as far as I can see, almost, there are white grave markers. Mm-hmm. And there is in the middle of it a, 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 an area where you can sit under cover, um, marbled area. And to sit there and to listen to the account of the mothers as they tell you the story of what took place and what happened to them personally, there would not be a person I can think of who would not weep at that stage when they heard these appalling stories. And that was certainly true of each of us. That, uh, mm. We were all moved to tears by what we heard. And, and it's profoundly disturbing. I mean, I, the only thing I can liken it to is I, I have been on one occasion to Auschwitz and mm. you know, to hear the story of, of the Holocaust uh, sitting, you know, standing there. And at the end of that visit to Auschwitz, we had it was a very cold, late October night. And as the darkness fell, we stood at the end of the railway tracks where so many people, millions of people were brought to die. And a rabbi talked to us and we all lit small candles. And, and again, that was a very intense moment. And, and I felt the same way at, in a very different setting, a beautiful sunny day late September in Srebrenica, and that same thing, you're brought face-to-face with evil, really, mm. evil actions. And, and you have to decide how you're going to go forward and how you're going to react to this and how you must react to it, is to talk about it and to, and to, and to ask people to learn the lesson of it. Yeah. And to talk about it's fiction, to talk about Srebrenica isn't you don't have to compare it we can just understand that afterwards we like to say never again and now we're looking at 
horrible things in across the world just now, which are still happening. And I guess that's why we're here today is to talk about the importance of remembering people for the future. Yes, we have to remember each of the individuals because they are individuals. And we must remember those lives yes, that were yes. snuffed out. We must remember those responsible too. Mm. You know, something, something went really, really badly wrong with them and we must find out what that is and understand that and make sure that the circumstances for that to happen do not occur again. And we must be unflinching in, in facing it and saying, learn the lesson, you know, don't, don't repeat history. And mm. you know, he has a habit of repeating history, but we, we must say, don't repeat history, make sure that we stand against such savagery, such brutality. But such, you know, it has happened again and again. And But the shocking thing, I think, for, for all of us, for many of us, is that we thought that lesson had been learned. Yeah. And discovered it wasn't learned, and far from learned. Um, mm. and therefore, we perhaps it can never be learned, but it can always, we must keep reminding people that it, it needs to be learned. Mm. What did you learn about yourself from this trip? Oh, that's an interesting question. I think I think sometimes stage where you think think things won't affect you, mm. and then you discover that you know if you if you allow them to affect you, they will. And sometimes even without allowing you to affect you, they will affect mm. you. I think also you asked how you know. I think an inevitable question in these circumstances: How would I have reacted? How would I have reacted in Sarajevo during a siege? Mm. How would I have reacted you know, in Srebrenica? Um, I think all those things. And, and how would I have reacted had I been one of the Dutch soldiers? You know, the, the part of the story is the, the failure of, of the, the Dutch soldiers who were there as peacekeepers in the end to protect the community uh, for a number of reasons. It's a complicated story. How would I have reacted then? And I think that's a, that's a, a big issue. Uh, and I think also how you react afterwards when you, you come back is important. I think you have, a, as I said, an obligation to mm. speak. Uh, and I think, you know, I haven't done so for some while, actually. I, I, when I was contacted by, by, by you about this, I was happy to do so, because I think it is an obligation. But I was conscious I hadn't spoken about it for, for quite a while. So, so maybe I should, I should be active again in supporting the organisation and, and, and making sure that people understand it. Well, Michael, thank you very much for your time today. It's been really important to listen to the points that you've brought up. Well, I would just encourage you and, and many others to engage with this subject, painful as it is, and to go on talking about it, because that's the best way to make sure it doesn't happen again. But thank you, Amy, and uh, good luck. Thank you. Thank you.